0: is my boomstick
1: What's your favorite scary
2: movie?
1: Hello horror heads and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts, I'm Daniel DeBona and I'm David Uyoa. And we are joined this week by it's, it's I want to say a long time listener, but I know he just recently started listening. However, he may have listened to more episodes than just about anybody else in a record amount of time. Uh, so friend of the show, personal friend of mine, former co-host of the What You Got show with me on YouTube. Everybody, this is Nick Hardy. How you doing, Nick?
0: Doing outstanding. Glad to be here. Looking yes, forward to I- it.
1: Uh, Nick has been chomping for a chance to get on the show ever since he started listening. I've known Nick a good time, and uh, Nick is a big horror movie guy. We've done, back when we worked at the bar together, we've done horror movie trivia a couple times together. Um, And so definitely a guy that I'm happy to have on. And Nick, I'm sure you know from listening to a couple episodes, whenever we have somebody on for the first time, we like to know what got you into horror. Like, what's the first movie that you really remember thinking, like, yeah, this is something for me?
0: The okay, so the first movie I ever saw was Chucky. That's the one I pitched to originally. Come on, on uh, which one? That one. one the uh, well, Child's Play. Child's the Play. Original, okay. The original. Yeah, and it terrified me and almost <laughs> ruined me for life for horror. And then I was introduced <laughs> to a movie called Evil Dead. Oh, yeah. And that brought me full circle back around. And ever since then, I've been a huge fan scary movies, horror, everything. So,
1: Evil Dead, a good one. Like, uh, yeah, I, did, did you listen to our Evil Dead episode and hear my story about how I was watching it thinking I'd seen it before? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, I did.
1: Yes. So, I did. Evil Dead 2, hopefully coming back around this summer, but we've got more on that later in the episode. So, mm. this week, what we've decided to do is wrap up our month of movies that are new to both of us. And we went foreign this week with a, it's called a Netflix original, but it's just one of those ones Netflix kind of bought up while it was out there. And this movie is called The Platform. Um, This was released on Netflix just a couple of years ago. A lot of reviews that are kind of all over the place with this one. So just kind of as we get started... We've definitely had some movies that qualify as pleasantly surprised. I think for me, the big one last week was fresh. Like I just was not expecting to like fresh as much as I did. But so when you look at this one, does does the platform still follow suit for you? Uh, We'll start with we'll start with you, Nick, like uh, with being new to the show. Were you pleasantly surprised with uh, with the platform?
0: Well, yes. Okay. So I originally saw it when it was released on Netflix during the whole quarantine thing while everybody else was enthralled with Tiger King. I was, you know, <laughs> watching random movies and avoiding Tiger King like the plague. Um, you but get it. you're cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Nick, I, watched... I didn't watch Tiger King. <laughs> I
0: watched this movie and then was immediately just enamored with it. And I probably watched it four or five times. After it came out, within the first month of just wow. being locked in my house. Nice.
1: Yeah, yeah like uh, you, there was there was definitely a fervor to you seeing it on my Instagram story and asking to be on this episode. So <laughs> I, I had <laughs> a feeling. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Dave? Does this one still follow suit with pleasantly surprised for you? Um, so I I liked it.
2: Um, I I definitely didn't dislike it. Uh, but I def- I, I wasn't pleasantly surprised. No. Okay. Um, I. I think that this is a movie that is a good movie. It's a good watch. If someone asked me a month from now, Hey, you want to watch the platform? I'd probably say, yeah, sure. Uh, but I throw out another suggestion or two before, like, <laughs> what, but what about this movie? Um, so I, I do like it. I think it, um, it starts off really strong and then kind of loses. It, it's whenever horror has a message it's a good thing i think because a movie rises above just your standard you know gore fest but it's got to deliver on that message and i think that message kind of gets lost somewhere there uh you know in in that you know late in the second act early in the third act it kind of loses its way and then kind of you know just falters so i i don't think it stuck the landing but i think overall it is a fun ride so pleasantly surprised no um Surprised, no. Pleasant, no. But it was a movie. (laughs) And, and, uh, (laughs)
1: Uh, fair. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. Like, the, the, the what I kind of equate this movie to, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I did really enjoy it, but I think that you're definitely onto something with it faltering there at the very end and not delivering. But uh, when we get to talking about the message, I do think that there's a reason for that, and I'll get to that. But I think that what we get here is you know, this is um, a vault run in gymnastics that that sets into the air with, you know, like a 10.0 difficulty and unfortunately just doesn't stick the landing, mm-hmm. right? We get all the flair of the the flips, the twists, the turns, but when it comes time to bring it home and drive it and cement the fact that you are delivering something, that's where this movie kind of lost it. You know, it's like, it's like watching a bottle rocket go up into the air and then it never, you know, like, <laughs> and- and so I, I I do I will say like like I said though I was definitely pleasantly surprised I, I I I was surprised in the fact that that it I I don't know this is another one I really didn't know what to expect and so I was surprised in this idea that there was you know a, a message to it that it was it was more driven than just a survival horror which is kind of what I thought it was going to be. Uh, I thought that it was really just going to boil down to this concept of a bunch of prisoners trying to survive. So again, much like with fresh, I was pleasantly surprised because the way I had storyboarded this movie based on catching a glimpse of the trailer, um, was not exactly how it played out and there was more to it. So I was pleasantly surprised. What about when you're looking at standout qualities of the movie, Nick, like either good or bad, what stood out for you?
0: Well, there's a bunch of fun things that happen in this movie. Uh, the, the special effects are outstanding in some of the kills. Um, the, the platform, so when I originally rewatched it, uh, or when I originally watched it, I didn't really think about a whole lot of technical aspects. But rewatching it for this podcast, I started thinking about it and I was like, man, that platform is just floating. What are the physics behind that? And I'm like, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, the story itself does get lost towards the end, it seems like. Um, but, I just enjoy this whole movie. Um, okay, I th- I think it's great. Uh, the acting is outstanding. the The set design is incredible. Um, I read an article from the director. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name because it's all <laughs> French or whatever and Spanish. Yeah, oh yeah, Spanish. All the Spanish people in there. I can, I, I'm just going to butcher their names if I try. <laughs> but
2: uh, let me see. I'll, I'll take a run at it. Uh, Gardel Gastelu.
1: Uriutia. Yeah. Yeah. See, <laughs> like guy. you you have to be like a naturally born like his, like Hispanic Latin speaker to even approach that one. Like as much as I can do with, with the Spanish language, pronouncing that guy's name was never gonna happen for me. <laughs> so. That that is a tough one, even yeah. for like a native Spanish
2: speaker. Um, yeah, it's like
1: it's like I can do Guillermo del Toro. You know? <laughs> yeah fuck
2: can you imagine being that guy in like kindergarten and you walk in and there's like you know mrs gonzalez or whatever and (laughs) um and you know she's like what's you know who are you and then you gotta fucking say that
0: and then you have to try to get her to pronounce it while you're there (laughs) yeah exactly
1: and you're not even
2: sure yeah
1: what uh, about you dave when you're looking at standout qualities
2: so i i think that um this movie um like revels in its simplicity and uh, the set design the um, is like so minimalistic but it, i mean it works it really really works and i think that the direction is great and the acting was great uh the voiceover sucks it's an absolutely oh, yeah. atrocious voiceover uh if you do understand spanish and you watch it in spanish you get a lot more out of this and the actors are fantastic i will say that so um every problem i had with this movie um it does not come from the technical side i mean technically this is a really well-made movie um i kind of feel similar um similarly to how i felt with um we have to do something yeah. Where mm. it was really well made, but like the message is kind of lost. Um, and I don't think that this um, kind of goes that far down that rabbit <laughs> hole is uh, we have to do something. Did I always use that as like my, I know my litmus did. test.
1: Like that's the one. And I'm always like, God damn. Like this dude's going to keep shitting on the first one I ever just showed that pick. Like that's just, <laughs> that's, just, that's, just his, that's just his gimmick now. To be oh, fair, okay.
0: the trailer is why you picked it. Yeah. And they know yeah. how to cut a trailer. They do. Yeah. They do. What a
2: fantastic. <laughs> fantastic trailer yeah. Um, um yeah, yeah. but a, a, a technical aspect i mean this movie's really well made uh, I, I i can't knock any of that yeah. stuff
1: I, I 100% agree with that and looking back at uh, again the same idea of you know i think we should do something um the idea of shooting something in um a very limited space especially in this case a very limited monochromatic space mm-hmm. um it's one thing that they did geniusly with this movie was not only was just everything, just this one real specific color palette, except for the food as it, as it broke down, which was just so smart to have this one vibrant bit in the platform of the food that was coming down, but also to have it constantly on the backdrop of everything being so gray. And then as it goes down, as you lose color, you know, people are losing hope as there's less and less food on there. But also kind though the kind of I, and I like the the filter like the gel that it was kind of shot through that just made sure that everything had that real you know dim matte finish like nothing shined in this movie like as, except for the plates until you got to certain a certain point when then they were dirty and stuff like that. So I agree 100% that that technically this was really well done. I think that Nick had an awesome point and I, the standout of, The limited uh, practical effects that we got were dope. Like we got some really great practical effects, even if they were just real short bursts, like uh, towards the end when they're riding the platform down and we just get like the montage of them having to fight people off the platform. We got some really good short burst special effects of people taking rods to the head when the dude gets cut open with the katana and they get in close on his wound. We get some really mm-hmm. cool. We get some really cool special effects there. Like you, I believe that that guy actually got shit on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real good. Yeah, I think effect. that was that, legitimate. That was, <laughs> that was Duke. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it was just. I, I think that that you're right. Like nothing about this movie that is a negative is going to come from the technical aspects. I, I think that. I think that all of the actors, um, you know, put in put in work. I think that the way that, that they presented um, everything was done very well. I really, and like I said, man, I was just uh, in my head for some reason, not that this movie wasn't gory, but in my head it was going to be like bigger bursts of gore. Again, I had I'd already had this idea in my head that like cannibalism was, not just going to be like a subplot that it was going to be like the plot the plot yeah Yeah, and so you know but so but when we did get it like that that gore was that was that was a gore on a lot higher level than what we've gotten in the past couple movies we've done and the last one cannibalism was the plot so
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) when he's eating that meat off of Trimagasi and his it's like maggots crawling in. Oh, yes. And he's, and he's like, just yes, like, peeling my yes, my flesh. Yes. Yum, yum. And he's like, you're not even real.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so um, we talked in a general sense. Um, the premise, I think, uh, which we just touched upon right now, it's a good uh, segue. Um, I don't think that this is a uh, like a new thing. This is definitely, you know, water that's been tread before, but it it is tread in a new way, I think, right? Uh, very similar to how I guess Snowpiercer did this horizontally. The platform does it vertically, right. and um, and and it does it in in in, a, in an interesting way. So, um, how does the premise and and the plot work for uh, for you? in um, in delivering like a, a total movie watching experience uh, and and Nick is, is our guest I'll, I'll default to you as well all
0: right well I think it's interesting the the outlook that people have when you first get introduced to Trimagasi, he's just like screw the people above me screw the people below me I'm just here for me they all they all suck right mm-hmm. he's like he basically curses everybody and uh it doesn't matter you know what level he's on everything else is everybody else's fault and you get that when he's even about to uh cannibalize um goring uh on level 148 or wherever they were at Mm -hmm. and he's just like uh he's like uh this isn't this is the fault of the people above us Mm -hmm. not it's not his own fault and Gorang's even trying to appeal to him and he's like, Hey, this is, I'm going to hold you responsible for this, but Tremagasi doesn't even care because he no longer has a soul. Right. And it's just, it's an interesting look at the human condition when you're placed in certain environments or when you have certain things that are against you that, could be your fault or could be somebody else's fault, but people always like to not blame themselves first. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting take I got out of that whole scenario.
1: I think that, I think that you uh, really drove something home there right at the end when what you're looking at here is what we get is an exploration into the idea of the human condition. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, when when we talk cast, I'll get a little bit more into that. But I, I think that when you look at the premise here, and you know there's there's i I would assume that there are kind of multiple ways to kind of come about this um the way that I kind of look at the the premise for this um as we talk about messaging and some stuff about that is I mean I think that the premise here is kind of just this scathing look at it's I guess it's, it's easy to say a scathing look at, you know, capitalism as a political ideal. But I think that that it's really when you start to look at all the characters individually, what we really get is this amazing look at just the idea of political ideals. And so I think that it's presented in a way that it's not ridiculously overbearing. Like we had the talk during the Candyman remake about how it's real, it's real easy to get ham fisted with political messages. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it's definitely there and depending, and I'm sure that that you can look at it as kind of being beat over the head with it, but um, that's not really the feeling I got. I do love the one of my favorite things about the premise of this is obviously, you know, the 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 whole the the what is it? The VSC, um, as mm-hmm. the as the authority called it, it's um, or the administration, not the authority, the administration. It's it's a prison because we've got people who are there because of crimes they've committed. But then we also are constantly reminded there are people that chose to be there. Yeah. Um, which which blew me away like when we find out that goring like signed up to go do this <laughs> just to quit like, smoking yeah he's like i wanted to quit smoking <laughs> i wanted to read more and it's like dude I, don quixote <laughs> is a thick read but six months like <laughs> <laughs> um but you know and it's like but so this this idea that it's it's a punitive measure but it's also been pitched to the people as a self-help program is is fascinating to me you know we're constantly kind of at odds with this faceless nameless um idea of the administration which is gorgeously named because that can apply to anybody you Anything. know like yeah. you know you if it, you it, if you'd said, said something that was specific to spain then this movie loses some appeal right everybody is fighting against a system and a system has always got people in place that are making it work. They're at administration, like that makes it this great nebulous entity. So I think that it was really smart to name it the administration. And I just, I love this idea of the fact that where you get moved up or down wasn't punitive. By any Mm -hmm. um, stretch of the imagination. You didn't get moved up because you were great at being at level one Oh two. So you got moved up into the mid thirties. It was all just a mind fuck experiment. Like it was, it was a roll of the dice every month. And so I think that when you look at some little things like that, it took some ideas that could have very quickly fallen into that bear trap of trope and turned them just enough that Parts of th- that it felt fresh um, as opposed to just being like, oh, OK, so if you're good and you do the right things, you move up until you get to the top. Some little things like that that they messed with, I think, did enough to make this premise feel like something new. I,
2: I think that that plays directly into the way I read the movie, which is um, the administrators ultimately don't care. Right. Um, uh, from the very beginning, because they're they're happy to sell you this idea that this prison reforms. And that's that's something that we're we're sold here in America. Right. right? That uh, that prison is a reform system uh, and, uh, and and let's say uh, a penal system. Right. And uh, I mean, ultimately, when you look at what prison life is actually like, are those measures there? Yes. Are like, do they really hold to them? No. And and I think that's what we see there, where it's like, yes, this is reform, right? We've got criminals who have done, you know, who knows what. And then we've also got guys that are criminally insane. Right? right. Because Tremagasi should not be in a prison. He
1: should be in a mental facility. The guy yes. is clearly insane.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, because
1: he I mean, he directly he believed that they were talking directly to him like he was aware it was an infomercial, but still felt it was directed yeah. at him. Right. And, and uh, uh, that was a
2: beautiful moment, I think, when Goring finally realized that everything that Tremagasi had told him was up in the air what do you trust, you know, what what do you discount when the person who you're talking to is a fucking psychopath, right? Um, and we see the same thing with the woman who um, volunteers to go in. I forget the name that they give her.
0: Hemogiri, uh, I believe.
2: Yeah the, the, yeah, the woman who worked there. With the breast the, cancer. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, she goes in there because she's given, you know, just a, a, a couple of, of months to live. And so she's like, well, I guess, you know, I'll live it out here
0: Yeah, I can help.
2: Right. right. And, yeah. and, and, but she's believing, even though she works there, she believes this idea of what she's been sold by the administrators.
0: Even she's misinformed. Right. Because yeah. she know, thinks there's 200 levels and they wake up on two I
2: mean, Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's fucking insane, you know, and she's been told that there are no children here. And yet there yeah. is, is. Mhm. So, you know, what exactly is going on in this place? I think that's all part of this, this great premise because it's it's not just that it's a, um, a commentary on capitalism because it is, but it's also right. a commentary on the human condition, like you said, because I think more than anything else, if we see people behaving a certain way at level one, right, after they've just been in level – you know 100 or 200 whatever right um that that lets you know this is not so much a commentary on a specific system as it is on the people right Right. uh you know because absolute power corrupts absolutely right but at the end of the day they are still all beneath the people at level zero who are beneath the administrators who we never get to see yeah so yeah. it's, it it's, I, I think it's a it's a really interesting premise. I think that it they they really do dive into it fairly deeply, and i I like it. I like the premise yeah um, we also have a comment here from our number one fan, Frank Kowalski. Uh, I think it is also about social hierarchy, the top having the best and taking more than what they need at the expense of everyone below them, leading them to suffer, absolutely
1: yeah. And and we're going to get more to, to just like the message kind of aspect mm-hmm. of it here in a little bit. But before we get to that, I think that, you know, we talked about how everything is so minimalistic. We've got these real bland sets. So mm-hmm. when we're really looking at what sells this movie, it's the cast. And we don't have a ton of people here. So each and every character that we're looking at has to really count. So how effective do you think everybody was? At pulling off what they set off to do. We'll start with you, Dave. I, I
2: think the cast is one of the best things about this. Uh, Goring is amazing. He was awesome. I, I I bought it hook, line, sinker right from the moment that he's on screen. Um, Tremagasi, I think, is the one who stole the show, however. Yeah. Uh, like, he was just fucking, like... He chewed up scenery every time he was on screen, mm-hmm. and and I was there for it. You know, I um, I could have seen him eat anything, <laughs> really. It's
0: really animalistic way of eating.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I I think that f- for me those those were the two standout performances, but it was also like really heartbreaking uh, to see when um, Imagiri finally. Understands that this place doesn't work the way she thinks it works, right? Uh, You know, it's kind of similar to when someone has a um, uh, an awakening of some sort, whether it's a you know a, a political awakening, a spiritual awakening, a religious awakening, and they're like, "Wow, this concept I've been you know I've been sold that I bought." doesn't work the way that i wanted it to work uh and it doesn't work the way that it was advertised as working um you know and that's that's um i think that's a it's it's something that most people can um can associate with where they can be like, yeah, you know, I, I've kind of felt that way at least once before, you know, whether it was about school or uh, or about politics or, or about, you know, my my church or even my parents, you know, that moment when you find out that your dad is, you know, just another dude and that he's not in fact superman that's that's a that's a life-changing moment you know um um, unless your dad is superman in that case then you know whatever (laughs) fuck you right
1: uh there's okay there's that one time that a kid's the one guy (laughs) Um, okay so uh, just real quick sidebar something that's real interesting the way you worded something struck me as something here that I'm going to choose the writers directors did on purpose. So the way that the the way that you phrased it was the disillusionment that comes with finding out something doesn't work is advertised. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's a really interesting dichotomy right here in the idea of somebody being so bought into something because it's supposed to work. It's, 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 it's a pivotal part of society, the VSC. So you've got this woman um, who, she's worked for it she believes it works she eventually finds out it doesn't and it's very disheartening the other side of that coin what's really interesting to that is we're also presented with the idea of a guy who bought something that we as consumers are used to not being worth the shit when he buys his samurai plus knife and turns (laughs) out that motherfucker stayed sharp like it was sharp the entire time like it actually did work as advertised (laughs) And that's something that we're that we expect to not. So there's a there's a really there's a really fun kind of yin and yang of something that's supposed to work that's very important for it to keep working, like the VSC, and to find out that it doesn't. Whereas something that you're expecting to break at some point, like a knife you bought on an infomercial, and it turns out that's the most resilient thing. In the oh, you got an amber alert. Sorry, in there in yeah, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, or so, like I said, a knife you bought on in an infomercial that we're, we're conditioned to believe isn't going to work. That's why they sell them in infomercials, but that's, that's the one thing that does keep working. And when you said doesn't work as advertised, it just made me think of that. And, and I think that that's one of the,
2: one of the best and worst things about this movie is that it it kind of commits to not harping on any one side of of a you know of an argument it's like hey here's some good and here's some bad and now here's some bad and here's some good right for for both sides so I um I mean in the end I think it's commentary is that we're all shit right right um and uh and I'm okay with that because um I think that kind of jives with with my personal beliefs on people (laughs) we suck um (laughs) but uh uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I see that. And it, it's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. The guy brought the fucking knife in. And the knife fucking works. He's yeah, and carving yeah. into these walls,
1: you know. Uh, Keeps getting like, sharper.
0: Shit, yeah. <laughs> and, yet,
1: and yet still one stab and everybody's going down. I mean, that thing is the golden gun of Infomercial 9. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Nick, what did you think about the characters? Um, I thought. Or the I cast.
0: Thought, I thought Trimagasi did an outstanding job. He He played the part well. With his animalistic eating, his commentary, um, you know, he says, uh, he's like, you're not going to eat. Well, you don't deserve this level. So he doesn't he he's viewing people as if they don't fall in line with him, then, you know, they're not good enough or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. And then uh, you have uh, the girl that played Miharu. She didn't say a single thing the whole time. And she was terrifying to me. Yeah, um, she And she did an outstanding job yeah. in, in that role, just in my personal opinion. And then, uh, Emma that woman, the way she, she was like, is this, uh, she said something in the interview about, uh, is this disturbing to you? And he said, no, but it was disturbing to me. Her <laughs> facial features, the way she was asking the questions, the way she was talking, um,
1: yeah, that, yeah. That, that idea that she needed to know if long pauses in conversation bothered him. right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah that's, that's a weird thing to need to know.
0: Uh, Ivan uh, Goreng, Ivan Massagu, he did a great job um, just seeming absolutely exhausted. I uh, saw in an interview where, uh, with the director where he had to lose 40 pounds over the course of some, something like 40 pounds over the course of the, the movie just so he could fit the part, because they they filmed it chronologically. and Ah. uh, Well,
2: they would have to if he has to lose that weight. Yeah, Yeah. that's why he's
0: looking, that's why he looks more and more dilapidated as the movie goes on, and then he, I mean, the way he just looks exhausted at the end of the movie is just Hmm. incredible to me.
1: So... If you'll bear with me here, cast as slash characters is where I think I kind of, I'm I'm not going to claim that that I was like super deep with this. I do think a lot of it's surface level. But when I'm looking at the cast, I want to focus more on the, the characters themselves. Because much like Dave said, where this movie doesn't focus so much on point A is good, and here's the reason, or point A is bad, and here's the reasons why, and point B is good, and here's the reasons why. Going back to what we talked about before, I think that this is really um a look and a criticism of the um a a one like a, a kind of tunnel vision view of a political ideology. So when I look at the cast in this movie, when I look at these characters. What I think we get here are archetypes for much larger ideas. I think that if you look at each character who's given any, uh, just about any character who's given any sort of like speaking part, what we get is both the good and the bad of subscribing to one particular thing. If we start with Goring, what we've got here is this guy is kind of just the, the idealist intellectual. Right. The guy who thinks that that anything, anything in all things can be conquered through knowledge. This is a guy who's willing to give up six months of his life to read a book that he's always wanted to read. Um, He's 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 totally against the greed of the people above him of the fact that um, Terragassi is like, is throwing the, you know, he at one point he just shatters a wine bottle on the platform, which is, you know, going to ruin a good amount of food. He's pissing down the hole um, straight (laughs) onto the food, you know? And so, and so he's constantly shaming this guy for doing these things. And he, and he doesn't understand why, because to him, none of these things make sense because he's only approaching things from this intellectual level of, why would you do these things if they don't make sense? And so, because he's never, he's just started, right? This is, this is that kid who goes to college for the first time and, and they're like, yes, higher learning, right? This is, this is my ticket to the future. And, and then they get there and they find out that there's all sorts of people in college and some of them don't give a shit about learning and stuff like that. <laughs> so, so you start there with him. You move to Tremagasi, who is – he embodies this idea of of anarchy, right? That there's – like Nick said, there's nothing that matters but me. If I survive, then that's good. And if if something goes wrong, that's not my fault. The universe is chaos. Look at all of the terrible things all of these other people are doing, and that's what's driven me to this, not because – I'm crazy, but because the people around me are awful and they're I'm this is this is I am merely the reaction to the universe's action of creating chaos around me at all time. It's it's the embodiment of anarchy. He doesn't give a shit about the system. He doesn't un, you know, he he was never offered a diploma to leave there he just views this as this is where the universe has led him because the guy on the tv made him throw his tv out the window and it killed somebody and this is where the universe has put me and now i'm gonna survive and And if you have to die if they have to die if i've just got to be an asshole then that's how it's gonna be
0: he even blames the fact he blames the fact that he threw the tv out of the window on them making fun of him through the TV right. and then he blames the fact that he killed the guy on the street because he was an illegal immigrant and he shouldn't even have been And there. he
1: shouldn't have even been there right <laughs> so again so this guy this guy is a, he's an anarchist he he views everything as chaos and he is just you know he's just floating through this and bouncing off of things and wherever he ends up that's where he ends up so again, another, uh, another ideology, this, this, this idea of anarchy. And like I said, I, I might go for a little bit here, guys. So please just interrupt. This is, this one has plagued <laughs> me all day. So, um, so go, so we, I said that Gorg was like this, this idealist intellectual. When we start to look at uh, Imagiri, what we get here is the, the willfully ignorant bureaucrat. Right. Mm-hmm. We get somebody who has we kind of assume based on her look and her clothes that she at least has money at that point. She says that the administration took care of her. And so she is kind of the embodiment of people who don't believe that anything goes wrong for anyone because nothing goes wrong for them. Right. It's that mm-hmm. that idea that, that word that's constantly overused now, but she became the physical embodiment of privilege. Right. Because she has to learn about these things because she's never experienced any of them. She's so convinced that things aren't that bad that she chooses to spend the end of her life in this hellhole because she wants to prove to, she just wants to see it work. And so she's like, cool, yep, this is how it works. And I made these two plates, and I'm going to yell down at these people, and they're going (laughs) to make two plates because she's just so convinced that it was. And she just, she has the idea that it could be as terrible in there as it actually was, is so foreign to her. Which, outside of this movie, it's that idea of people who have grown up in these bubbles. Uh, this one won't mean anything to you, Dave, but for one of the first times, I get to reference somewhere around here that other people will get. Nice. We have this area, <laughs> we have this area in Birmingham called Homewood, and oh, yeah. Homewood is like it is that area. It's these people who live in this bubble where everybody's rich, everybody has everything, nothing bad has ever happened to anyone, and it blows their mind to find out that there are people who have tough lives because the toughest decision they've ever had to make is what color the BMW their daddy was going to buy them when they turned 16 was. And so she becomes the embodiment of that particular um, concept. And she, she, she can't even understand why she's presenting a very logical argument to the people below her and they're not listening so she's so blown away when it comes down to having to threaten to shit in the food to get the people to listen to her like that wasn't something that ever crossed her like, mind oh, I,
2: I wanted the decision to come from within yes yeah, yeah. Well, what was well, it? The, the spontaneous
1: they, solidarity yeah right they right. listen so, now yeah exactly <laughs> what does she call it he's the messiah the messiah yeah, shit, yeah but he's the messiah yeah um and so and then again one more character, and I swear I will stop this rant, but this, this is one of those times where I really felt like I, I dug into something and I, I sunk my teeth into it. The, the concept of this character of, uh, of Miharu, and so she doesn't ever talk. She's, people don't like her you know, because she's she's killed people. They know she's killed people. They know she kills her cellmate. They know she gets off the platform and kills people if they mess with her. She's always there. Imagaru says that she's, um Imaguri, excuse me, says that she's just a crazy person. She came in here alone. She has no kids. She has no family. She's just, I, I believe the exact thing she said was she's just some bitch that wanted to be uh, Marilyn Monroe with a ukulele.
0: The Asian Marilyn Monroe. Yes, the Asian Marilyn Monroe, then, right? She's she presents that in such a racist way. She's like, this yes. slant-eyed bitch.
2: That yes, just wants yeah, to be yeah. Like she, Asian I mean, Marilyn Monroe.
1: Yeah, she's like all in on it. But you know, not that it makes it defensible well, ca- to be a casual, racist. Casual pitch.
2: racism was something that we saw throughout oh, the, yeah. the film. Especially with and- Tremagasi. Yeah, yes. yeah, with with Ramagasi, we saw it as soon as uh, Barat gets Bar- Barat, into yeah. uh, yes, gets into the story. We see it with uh, with him in the way that everyone, with the exception of
1: Goring, interacts with him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and because they all they, they all just refer to him as the Black, right? Like, yeah. oh look, a Black is talking to us. Like, should we help the Black? It's like, well, um,
2: I think that that's a translation thing because in Spanish. You would say el Negro, right, which translates literally to the black in the same way that we would say el blanco, which translates to the white. So uh, it just it sounds awful versus you know, <laughs> yeah. the black guy, the black dude, you know, which you probably shouldn't say either. <laughs> true enough. yeah, but
1: so so when so when you're looking at this idea of uh, she, you've got this woman, she's very she she there's there's a lot of questions surrounding her right she's she's a a mystery wrapped in an enigma this whole thing to me i felt that she represented the 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 unspoken kind of downtrodden you know people on the outskirts of society the people that, uh, that that the the middle to upper class would just as soon pretend don't even exist because again they make you come face to face with that. There are struggles far worse than yours. Um, I believe that she kind of is this, this archetype who represents the, the, the faceless uh, poverty community that, that is in all big cities and just anywhere, you know, there are people in poverty, no matter where you live, but, i think that she she comes to represent that idea and everybody looks down on her so much that the the feeling i got was that that's who she's supposed to represent is the people that it's like you know what man life would be a lot easier if you weren't getting in my way and screwing stuff up all the time and that's what she does she's just she's she's voiceless she's uh damn near faceless because most of the time it's covered in blood and just caked up Mm -hmm. and we can just barely see her and so uh, uh, but she's she's constantly just wrecking other people's ideal way of getting by in order to achieve what she wants which is not unreasonable what she wants is her daughter back But because people think that she's such a nuisance there, it's a lot easier to believe that she's just crazy and doesn't actually have a daughter. And so it's, it's easier to just play her off as that instead of having to understand that she's facing a struggle that we can't understand because her daughter is in this hell hole and she has to wake up every day, knowing that on one of these levels, her daughter may be dead because there's no way a child is going to survive this. So she represents that, that idea of people who are going through things that we can't even imagine. And so it's just easier to kind of ignore them and pretend that they're not there. And whoo, Sorry. I might,
2: I might disagree with you. <laughs> okay. So I,
1: I, I disagree with an asterisk. um,
2: okay. And the asterisk is because the message of this movie is so muddled and um, ill-defined as I think we come to find later. Um, I don't know if her character is as brilliant as what you're saying. Okay. Or is nothing more than a plot device fair uh, because if she does stand for all those things that you just spoke about so eloquently
1: um, <laughs> then,
2: then then that is a beautifully written character that I think um, not enough about that subplot was delivered.
1: Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I I, bear, I very tightly contrived some of my ideas that yeah, I well, put and, in and, here. It's, and, and the beautiful
2: thing about headcanon is that, you know, you're working off of stuff that's there. Right. So that you can make it your own. So uh, there is the possibility of that. Because as soon as you started talking about her, I was like, I got this. I'm ready. I'm ready to discount him. And then I'm like, oh, you know what? It makes a little bit of sense. Um, because ultimately, I, I, for me, um, is it a uh, Miharu? Is, it, is that Miharu. her name? Yeah, Miharu. Miharu really. um, maybe she did go in as um, an actress who simply wanted to be the next Marilyn Monroe. And maybe she was raped there and birthed the child. And maybe that's why the the administrator that came in said, well, she didn't have a child with her. Depends how long she's been there.
1: I was about to say though, man, but that oh, would yeah. that kid that kid was eight or nine, man. That's that's a long time to survive it is. in
2: there. So so I don't really know exactly what's going on there because there's like conflicting information, right? So there is a child, or or was the child imagined by Goring, you know, as as he's dying, you know does yeah, the sto- yeah. does, does the does the actual story end on, you know, uh, r- level three thirty three, and they die. You know, and then everything
1: else is just, you know, which the which, dream and, that he has before. Right. He dies. And there's and there's some there's credence to that because of the fact that the platform just like sinks into this blackness. Whereas if, if he actually died on three thirty three, it would have stopped there because nobody's there. But I, I, right. I can't I can see that as as being part of of the story. However, when we get to our next topic, I'll explain why I'm choosing to believe that the child is there. So I, I do choose to believe that the child was there as well um,
2: so so either um, what was her name again uh, Imagiri was lying mm-hmm. or Imagiri was misled right because she's speaking as if it was a first hand account and maybe it right. wasn't right um, maybe she's still buying into how perfect this facility can be at that point in the story, you know she hasn't become quite disillusioned enough yet. Um, so, if that's the case and the child does exist, then the sole purpose of um, I keep forgetting their names, Miharu, Miharu. the whole the the sole purpose of Miharu. is simply to get her child onto the platform and up to level zero, right? And 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 to me, that's that that's a plot device and um there's not because not enough is said about it either explicitly or even implied because you you have you have to really really search for that implication if if that's the case and i I think
1: that it's it's possible
2: but that's more than like one even two steps in logic
1: oh yeah no like i said I, i definitely took some steps here but i i really think but i i I don't think it's that many steps to, because if, if, like I said, if she's meant to represent people who are, who, who kind of have these struggles and these troubles that are, that are far beyond anything we could imagine. I mean, it's, it, you're, you're a father too. So that, that idea, and we've talked about this, the links that you would go to, to, to protect, to return, to save your child. I don't know that it's that many steps removed to say that, that using, that plot device of a missing child is a way to sell this idea of somebody who just has struggles that are far beyond what we could imagine. Oh, and I, 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 I get that. The other thing that
2: kind of gets in the way of me believing that that might be the case is how the fuck did this child survive on level 333? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's, that's where, but, you know, but, but, but. And I, th- I think that, that that is a plot hole. That the movie has like there's no way that this child survived on that floor
1: except except the idea of the fact that when he moves down when they go when they come up with the the idea to move down and distribute the food they have only been on the levels that they are on for a very limited amount of time that he's only known um bahrat's for a few days when they come up with this plan. So it's possible that the child was formerly on a level where she was still getting some food and had just very recently been moved to 333, 33. And that's how she still looked kind of healthy because they had, he had not been on level six, but a day or two tops before they hatched this plan to ride the platform down and do whatever it took to distribute food evenly through the levels. So there's a reason. Now, granted, if she were on a higher one, you'd think that uh, Miharu would have found her. Yeah, or that she would have been killed for food. Right, or that she would have been killed for food. But even giri would have known about her. There is a possibility that just the month before, she was on a level where she was still receiving some food. And so that's how she was able to be alive on 333.
2: We also get, um, who was it? Was it Bharat who says that um, the child has a gift or something, you know, right. so, so then we start to get something supernatural going on there, um, which if if that's the case, you know, introducing it, you know bottom of the ninth, you know, bases loaded. It's like, <laughs> yeah. ah, I don't know if i buy this. You
1: yeah, know? that's like ultimate Deus Ex, right? Right. There, right? It's like, oh, right. uh, no, this kid can't die. So, so I, that's I, like I think that
2: thing. that's part part of where um, the, the the story goes astray there, I think. If, if you have to pause and think, how's this happening? If we can have so much back and forth about this, and I, I don't think in, in the right way, Right, it's yeah. not. It's not like we're sitting here discussing, um, you know, what what was that golden shining thing in Pulp Fiction? You know, like that's that's an interesting conversation, right? Um, I I I think we're we're
1: talking unless about... you're having it with Quentin Tarantino because was like it was fucking nothing. <laughs> it was, nothing, it was right? a light bulb in a suitcase. Move yeah. on.
2: Yeah, <laughs> um, but I I think at this point, like we're we're talking about an integral part of the movie. It is one of the cogs in the machine that makes this thing work uh, or not. And, and, and it's a discussion that we've been having for a couple minutes now. Yeah. So I, I... I, I, don't, I don't think that that's a good thing.
1: I, right, and I do think that that's kind of what I fall back on when I use that uh, that analogy of, of the the gymnastics routine that doesn't stick the landing. Right. I think that that when we when we get down there and and the the child becomes the message, then suddenly we've lost what was a solid the previous message. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> what what was a solid gift of storytelling before that moment.
2: And um, this kind of leads us into um, our, our our last area here, which is. The message itself right um so there is at least one message (laughs) going on here um there's there's possibly an infinite number of messages because i feel like i am either um not smart enough to understand this movie (laughs) or entirely too smart (laughs) and and i don't think it's either um so uh, so how did you read this movie does um the, the the message of this movie does it does it work does it um does it not are there instances where it works um nick we'll go back to you all
0: right so this is this is the message i got from the movie uh from start to finish i guess is that you have the administration on top and uh the administration is presented in a way in which you know they act like they care about the people there because they asked them for their favorite food so that it can be added to the menu. And then they put all the stuff on the table perfectly and give everybody just enough food and then including, leave it up.
1: Including tearing that dude a new one because his hair was in the pan. <laughs> yeah. Kind of yeah, like, yeah. That's, you get that. like this food is going to a prison where people are literally going to piss on it at some yeah. point. But that I don't hair know why the- they
2: didn't get Gordon Ramsey to, uh, <laughs> to, 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 to be the head chef there. <laughs> Yeah, so
0: <laughs> just you get this perfect just, just food. a string of curse words flying down from level zero all the time. You get this where's the goddamn
1: lamb sauce? You fuck.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm a turd sandwich. <laughs> uh, oh, so boy. and then it goes down to you know, you get the higher level people who gorge themselves on this food and just absolutely destroy it um even up to level 48 where they first wake up where you you have the the Gorang falls into the he's dancing around with trimagasi and he's they're like eating the food and he's even like throwing up on the table doing naked um, yoga doing naked yoga excellent scene um <laughs> And then you get down and it's it's almost like the people on the bottom are just like the forgotten people. They're the people that you don't want to have. And then once you get to the very bottom, the message I got from that with the child there is that our society is completely broken. From the administration giving us everything we need in quotation marks um, and then all the way down and people just screw it away. The only way to fix that. Is children are our future, and we have to send them. We have to put them in a better place. Send them to the top. Invest in our children. That's the message I got out of the whole movie.
1: I liked. I, I like that right. idea of the, the 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 children are our future aspect. I didn't. I didn't look at that as much. I like that. So when I'm looking at the message here, there there are two kind of takeaways for me. Um, In this, the first one being this movie is when we talked about the premise earlier, um, I I held on to to one that I had here. This movie is essentially a really elongated version of have you ever heard of the humanitarian view of like using a pizza party to to decide what kind of people um, you're dealing with when you have a pizza party? You're look, you've got a couple of different types of people, but the standouts are the people who take one piece because they don't think that there's going to be enough pizza for everybody. And the people who take three pieces because they don't think that there's going to be enough pizza for everybody. Whereas in theory, if everybody just takes their two, there's enough for everybody. Right? So this becomes that like tweet (laughs) like turned into a movie. (laughs) Right, this idea of we live in a world where there is enough food for everybody, um and there and it just ha we just have to find a system to distribute it properly. Yes, that's extraordinarily idealistic, and I get that, but if you if you if you can't find some room in your life to live in that headspace, then. That then going back to what Nick said, then that's when you've got to default to this idea of children being the future, which is why we look at this, we look at, and I know that this was Spanish, and I don't know much about the Spanish political system, but if I were to draw lines here to the American political system, we're a country right now that that, that's constantly held hostage by fifty old people um you know it just within the past couple years we weren't able to say 50 old white guys anymore and that's like a new concept right is this idea that that is as 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 ideals come through we're constantly fighting these older people who who are just trying to maintain the status quo because yeah they're on levels one and two they're eating as much as they want and and don't matter how much it gets down there so so you've got that right which is Easy, you know, can easily be looked at as, as like, a, like I said earlier, just kind of the scathing review of capitalism and how it works and the idea of trickle down, not working, you know, because at no point did this food trickle all the way down to level three thirty three until close, until, but, and, and again, what did it take? It, it took men with weapons like to do it. And this is why, um, I'm, I'm super liberal You know, like I'm, I'm in, I'm, I I like, I'm, I'm liberal enough that I don't even like, I, I, I'm a leftist, you know, like I, I, I even shit on liberal ideals a lot of the time, (laughs) but I'm totally full. I'm total. I, I, I'm like, yes, arm the people, for the love of God, arm the people. Do we need gun reform? (laughs) Yes. But should we take them away? No, hell yes. Arm the people. Right. Because that's what it's going to take to make shit happen. When what you're fighting against is an authoritarian system. Um, and so while they weren't actually arming themselves against the, the administration and the authoritarian system, they were arming themselves against people who were brainwashed into the only way to survive is what is presented to them by this authoritarian system. So that's, that's one that I get. I think that the other message here and the one that's quite literally referred to as the message, and that would be the child that they find on 333. Now, assuming that the, the child that they find on 333 is actually there. Then the the message here is that this and when you also add when you also add to this the fact that um, Emma Gurry was so convinced that there were no kids there, but we eventually see one that is. What we're presented with is this idea that the system is far beyond broken. It, it's broken to it's broken to the nth degree. But you are also presented with this idea that even people at the top. Level zero people, we can only assume at this point, are completely ignorant to how broken the system is. So the reason that the child becomes the message is because if you can get her on the platform and you can make the people on level zero who aren't faceless, we know them, we see them. They are chefs and people who are just doing their job of creating top quality food. If you can start to dismantle the system at the top by making people see how broken it is, like, look, the administration, these people who set all the rules, everything that we're supposed to live by, that we trust with our lives to the point that we would walk into this facility willingly because they've told us that it's going to help us, they don't even follow their own rules. And if it's a something, if it's a rule as simple as, We don't put children under the age was 16 or 18 was the age. Yeah, under the age of 16 through hell and make them survive in a situation like this. If they're willing to break something that should be as simple to maintain as that, then what are they doing that we can't even imagine to make sure that they don't lose power and that they stay, that the systems that they want in place are never broken. Um, Baharat says something along the lines of, or or, uh, Goring says, you know, that we're fighting against the machine. All machines have gears. And uh, Baharat says something along the lines of, this isn't a machine, these are people. But when you're looking at a political ideology running something, that is a machine. And the people just become the cogs. So what you have to do is get smaller cogs to realize that they can disrupt the system just as much as a big one can. Dave, you're a big watch guy. If a big part fails, if a small part fails, the watch still stops working, correct? And one, one grain of sand and one
2: gear, right. it's done.
1: And so the, the message being, if we can convince the people at the top of where we are, that even the people above them who have convinced them that everything they're doing is lavish, that they don't even follow their own rules, then we can disrupt that system. And so it may be something as simple as, like Nick put it, the kids being the future, um, if, if that's what it takes. But you've got to find a way to shove the awfulness of not following your own rules in order to maintain the machinations of your system to you've got to make people realize, and so that was what I got from the actual kind of you know what they referred to as the message in the movie. I um, I think this is where
2: where the movie really kind of gets lost. Yeah, I fought um, hard for that one. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, and, and and here's the thing: like, it, I don't think you're wrong, um, uh, but you know what? Before I get started, um, friend of the show um former guest as well adichon how you doing bud says uh sounds very Orwellian on what platform can i watch the platform netflix. um lovely pun uh you can watch this on netflix it is
1: on netflix yep
2: yeah exclusively i believe i i believe so yeah i think they have the uh, the distribution rights so um i think um i don't disagree with anything you said uh and and i don't disagree with anything that um that nick said either but I also think that it's not clear enough for me.
1: Fair. And, um, and it's a fine line. We've talked about that you tread before between spoon feeding, but also giving enough information that you can draw without feeling. Like I said, I I definitely know I'm reaching with some of this stuff because I did have mm-hmm. to draw pretty deeply. So that's, yeah. that's, a, fair, that's a fair assessment.
2: And I, and I think that it's unfortunate because if I, – I think it's just that the movie's overstuffed with um, – with messaging because if the um the creative team had stuck with one thing um a scathing condemnation of capitalism or of the justice system or of classism or of how the older generations are leaving nothing for the younger generation. I mean, any one of those things can be explored um, to, uh, you know, from platform zero all the way to platform 33. And, and you can, and you can get a great movie out of that because I think that for the majority of that movie, we, we do get that. We do get a focus primarily on uh, the human condition as it pertains to um i think more than anything um capitalism and um and and yeah there's a little bit of classism thrown in there and there's a little bit of the justice system thrown in there but it's kind of like just on the outskirts once everything changes to the child i i I think that was like the you know when you play jenga <laughs> and uh, and 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 you try to remove a piece, and you're like, "Oh, that was a real close call, right?" And and then like you you find another one here, and you're like, "Okay, I'm gonna try to just like push that one through, and everything's okay, right?" But then there's that one final piece where, like, as soon as you touch it, you're like, "I done fucked up,
1: right?" But I touched it, and I you <laughs> but I touched I've it, and I thought i follow through, and as right. soon as you
2: remove that thing, the whole fucking tower comes crashing down, and I think that that's what the child ends up doing here um because I, I i mean i i don't even see a real conclusion to the movie either because goring just gets off of the platform and and there's there's no follow through with the message so it you're, just you're, doesn't you're, end you're yeah you're you're just not, you're not yeah. you're not even, even going to make sure that the kid makes it to the top and then, right?
0: how fast Obvious. is that platform moving when it stops at four zero zero?
1: <laughs> oh, she's gonna slam into the. Into <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we we talked we talked about the physics of this. That thing flies up. The physics, an object in motion stays in motion, right? That platform yeah. stops. That girl
2: eight. Yeah, until, <laughs> until otherwise acted upon by an outside force. You know what that
1: outside force is? The ceiling of Platform <laughs> Zero. All right? It was all Oh, man, we didn't even think about the fact that we just splattered the message on the top of the <laughs> Yeah. Line.
2: Yeah, man. You know, if someone's going to walk in. Some poor fuck is going to walk into that room, and they're going to look up at the top, and they're going to say, oh, I don't remember putting... You know, uh, raspberry yeah. custard on this one. Yeah. You know, apparently, it's... it wasn't a hit. Who who made the raspberry custard? <laughs>
1: Nobody ate
2: it. <laughs> ah, fuck. Gordon Ramsay comes back in. And he's 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 ripping some guys He's like, I swear, I didn't make it.
0: <laughs> there there is an interesting thing about the the protest that they do when they're moving down that I noticed in the movie. It's when uh, when they're going down and Barot is just being. Brutal to everybody and yelling at him, "Stay mm. back, motherfucker!" You yeah. know he gets his Samuel L. <laughs> Jackson moment there. Um, and Gorang kind of looks at him like, "All right, that's a little more extreme than I wanted it to be." And then when they get down to the wise man, who's like, "You need a message," and then they, you know they're going to start this peaceful protest, and it literally that peaceful protest ends on Two the very later. next yeah. level. Yeah. You know, they, they it starts and that girl's like. Who are you to say i can't eat i've been on whatever floor and now i'm on this one i'm gonna gorge myself and then whack yeah well (laughs) head split open
1: and there's 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 an interesting way to to kind of look at that now like i said i'm not like i'm not pro killing people right (laughs) but i'm not anti-violence comforting to know yeah hey you know what though pop possibly not an unnecessary disclaimer considering the joy that we take out of this podcast every week um (laughs) nazis are the exception we've we've uh we have talked about this okay to kill a nazi yes i i'm i'm (laughs) however i'm not i i'm not anti-violence you know (laughs) violence has its place and you know it's it that's that's a really interesting and thin wire to tread on. Like Nick knows this. I'm very pro riot. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm extraordinarily pro riot because I do believe that that violence doesn't always start when somebody throws a punch or fires a bullet. That that there are times when words and actions are that are considered violent it is it, 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 it is necessary to respond with violence. And there are times when escalation becomes the only way of, you know, saving your life. Um, but like I said, that's, that's, that's a message for, for a whole different thing, but you're right. It's a, it's very interesting thing because the guy says to them, you've got to deliver a message. And then they immediately start delivering that message with metal pieces of a bed frame to the back yeah. of people's heads. When they won't listen, but again, but wasn't Dr. King said uh, riots are the voice of the unheard, the voice of the unheard. Absolutely. Yeah. A let, a, a, and if you're not familiar with what Dave is saying, um, Dr. King goes far beyond the I have a dream speech. <laughs> read his letters from a Birmingham yeah. jail. Um, a, and just just for some social context to what Dave is saying there, it will sidebar. here. It will completely make you understand how whitewashed the history that we teach of Martin Luther King Jr. is when you read letters from a Birmingham jail. Um, so, but you know, so they, they've got this idea, they, and, but it immediately goes too far. Right. And that's so often what happens when you place action in the hands of idealists, not, you know, a a realist or, or a a functionalist, if that's even a word, right. Mm -hmm. When, when, when you, when, when, when you're armed with nothing but a metal bar and an idea, than anything or or here let me let me when your arm when when all you've got is a hammer and an idea that anything that opposes your idea looks like a nail right to 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 cross some metaphors here Mm -hmm. um and so when we when we're looking at the characters of goring and baharat what we have here are two idealists In all his time that Goring has spent there, he's still being very intellectual about the fact that he can make this idea work. You've got Baharat, whose idea is the fact that this can be survived. You know, he was convinced he was going to climb out. That's why his his thing was a rope. And he was trusting enough in the person (laughs) above. Yes, which led to him getting shit on literally don't trust the guy above you yeah never yeah look it's over anakin i have the high ground (laughs) there we go if if star wars and the platform have taught us anything don't (laughs) trust the people above you from your boss to your state politicians to the goddamn president they're all pieces of shit they're probably
0: gonna (laughs) piss on you or shit
1: on you and (laughs) and they live to shit on you exactly (laughs) and so and so it's you know so it becomes this it becomes this very tedious marriage of of arming the people with the ideals. Yeah, um, there's
2: there's messages here, right, and exactly. uh, and 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 they are numerous and they are good, uh, but I don't know that they jive. Um, right, and, it, it, and to me to me it seems like they went to the Lego store and bought a bunch of Legos and forgot to buy the instruction manual <laughs> and thought <laughs> of themselves as master builders and tried to put this thing together <laughs> and instead of having a beautiful spaceship right or or a castle or or they ended up with this like weird science project that clearly you did not have your parents help you on, you know how, okay. So Daniel, you, you teach elementary school. There, there are, there are yes. projects, there are projects yes, that I you get. That. get that so well. There are projects that you get where you're like, your parents helped you with this. And then there's right. projects that you get and you're like, you did this yourself, didn't you bud? Yeah. Right. And, 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 that's, that's what this was to, to me. It was like, you know, they, they, they tried to fit a, you know a couple lego pieces together and you know um they they got you know three out of the four wheels they they used uh you know like a two by two piece for uh for the fourth wheel and you know does it roll yes is it fancy no um you know and will i drive it no but but it's there <laughs> right. and, and it kind it kind of looks like a car
1: Right, and there's and there's and there's some weight to be carried in the fact that I know you did this on your own. (laughs) Exactly, I'm I'm, going to give you some credit for attempting this. Right,
0: the the director did say in this in the interview that I read that uh, he got the script, he thought it was great, he immediately saw that there had to be a bunch of rewriting to turn it into a movie, Mm -hmm. Um, and he he worked on it with I think two more writers. Uh, Two more screenwriters and they fought over it for two years over their views. One guy wanted didn't want to budge on his view. The other guy didn't want to budge on his view. And they almost shelved the project multiple times because nobody was willing to budge on anything that they wanted to
2: put in the movie just kind of puts things into perspective
1: there we go exactly so So you 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 have you have
2: two very mm -hmm. different ideas of what this movie is coming together and they're just like fuck it i guess we'll make
1: it
0: right
2: exactly (laughs) well we'll
0: try to put it all in there yeah yeah you know it's, it's like
1: you know it's like uh i i i love i love beer i love ice cream but maybe at the same time, they're not always <laughs> the best idea, right? Like that type of thing. You never had uh, a PBR float, dude? <laughs> dude, I have, you're right. Ice cream and beer, too. That was a bad idea. It's been a long time, but I have had an ice cream float and it was not terrible. Um, so, it, all right. So, <laughs> damn it, now I want an ice cream float. All right, So, uh, but with beer. Uh, so, if we've reached that point in the show where it's time that we kind of put a bow on this you know, by deciding what our rating's gonna be. Now, if you're new to the show or you just need a quick reminder, we do only rate a movie against itself. And in order to do that, what we do is we create a unique, sorry i almost said message system i was my brain was a step (laughs) ahead of me a unique rating system for each movie and for this particular movie we spent a lot of time discussing the concept that was presented to us by the fact that the 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 child was the message but before the child was the message the message was just supposed to be the fact that these people could come together and they would not eat something as delicious as the panna That was placed on the platform and it was left untouched until level 333 because the Panacota was supposed to be the message. However, the message, much like the Panacota, was eaten by a child and we don't <laughs> actually know if it was ever delivered. But out of a possible five untouched Panacotas, Nick, what do you give the platform?
0: All right. So, on my drive home from work this morning, I was decided, I was like, I know what I'm going to give this movie. Um, I thought about it a lot as we were talking about it, and I think I'm going to give it four untouched Panna and then a half. Unperfect perfect that's just been eaten by a child okay <laughs> that's, so, that's, a, that's a good half. point you can't have half an untouched panna right. that's that was that was genius nick check
1: yeah. you're welcome back nice. Okay. Nice done. <laughs> yeah. all right so we're going four and a half from nick what about you dave
2: um i think i'm gonna go three and a half three and a half untouched panna um because it it, it is it, it is well made I think I think that there's there's a lot to like here. And I think that if you can get past the um, the the plot hole that we discussed with uh, with the child and um, and the, you know, the, the mixed messaging that's here, uh, there's there's a lot to like. And and I think that for this is a movie that I would put on for or not put on, uh, but I might recommend to a couple people. Uh, I can think of a couple people already that I'd be like, hey, you know what, you, you might like this movie. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't think it's quite at, at four Untouched Pentecostas, but um, I don't think it's quite as low as three. Because um, it's not just a, yeah, I'd suggest it. And a yeah, I suggested it and I kind of liked it. And, you know, um Eating watermelon naked in a, <laughs> in, in, a in, in a kid's inflatable pool. I mean, that's that's the dream, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you, know? you know what? I've I'll tell you what. During summer, yeah, naked yeah. watermelon in a kiddie pool. That's 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 the dream. That's yeah, really- G- and- give it to
0: two starving <laughs> naked men, and it gets even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: and and and
2: and now, fuck! If I don't want a samurai plus. Right, i do feel like i kind of need a samurai plus in my life
1: yeah yeah the it it was it was definitely a very good knife and also apparently apparently if you if you killed anyone you got to keep their object because miharu kept the samurai plus Mm -hmm. and she kept the remains of the dog that she killed (laughs) at one point like she made like a little (laughs) backpack out of sheets so apparently it's also like the highlander and the fact that if you take anybody out like their shit is your shit now so yeah. like she was also very slowly like gathering people's stuff
2: Well, that's that's kind um, of the way it works isn't it like if i go to yeah. your house and i kick you out of your house your house is mine
1: yeah true enough that's, yeah, that's how Grand Theft Auto uh, rules man yeah worst roommate ever also apparently very real rules in some, <laughs> in, in some, uh, in some states uh so <laughs> i think i'm going to end up kind of splitting the difference uh between the two of you i think that there's i think that there's a serious drop off at the end here even as much as i can draw from what they gave me as an ending um in my idea of sending the child to the top to to make people see how broken the system is i think the fact that it took me so long to reach that point is it is it, I think that that the that the the onus of it taking me a long time. Let me let me play my Tremagasi card. That's their fault, right? Like they could have they could have done something that would have made it easier for me to get to that point. If that's the message that they didn't that they wanted me to receive, um, I think that I think that what we kind of got here. I liked the Lego theory a lot. I, I think that we got a lot of great ideas that that with a lot of time and effort. Um, this afternoon i i I was able to build this archetypal argument um for the characters, but it was a lot of work right <laughs> that that I had to put into it um and so and and that's not necessarily a bad thing you know sometimes the best books are the ones that then make you read other stuff, but mm-hmm. that's that's a literary concept you know like when when you watch a movie and then you've gotta like read stuff you kind of start to lose some clout with that. But so I I do think I'm going to sit firmly at the four. I think that we got some great special effects. Like we talked about at the top, the man, the one where they're coming down on the platform, we see that person that committed suicide by just laying down under the platform. So we're just left with half of their body. I think that we get some great visual gags with the special effects. I think that we got some amazing visual gags with just the quick glimpses of what people chose to bring with them because she, Uh, she surfboard. yeah the one dude on a surfboard (laughs) exactly like and she just she just won't quit writing uh gorgon about the fact that he brought a book like what i think exactly what she says what sort of person brings a fucking book here well he got to eat it yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) yeah he made more use he made made more use of it than the guy who brought a surfboard Uh, right and all of this coming from a woman who brought a dog and so, I but I think that we got some great visual. Games. There was the one dude that just had a bed full of money. Like I guess his idea was that he may have been able to buy his way up to higher levels or hmm. throw money up to yeah. people and make sure they left him food, um, if he kind of knew how it worked in there. But we got some great little bits like that 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 kept you interested through what were slower parts of the movie. But I do think that ultimately there's a loss of an untouched Panakota here. Due to the <laughs> fact that, um, that, that the message messages did become very muddled. And while I can make some sense of the girl getting on the platform and going back to the top, I can't begin to make sense of why at the end the platform just lowered into a blackness of nothing. And, um, and I tried. D- d- look, look Cthulhu, <laughs> me! I tried, right? Like I was like, here's here's the symbolism of that, but I just I just couldn't make it work because if if that was him dying, it doesn't make sense for the girl to still be on the table. Like at that point, like there are a lot of like little inconsistencies there. So I'm gonna hit this solidly at at a four untouched Pentecostas. Which the quick math on that actually, since I split the difference <laughs> between you is it's now four. between the There's three of four. us. As a podcast, <laughs> we are going to give the platform and even four untouched panacotas. So, I mean, it's a solid movie. There's there's yeah. a lot there's a lot here to watch. It does have a decent amount of rewatch value, and I think we can all feel like we all would all say we'd recommend this to somebody.
2: Yeah, I, I I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah. with this one. So, uh, so there you have it. Four untouched panacotas for uh, Spain's the platform. And uh, you can find this again uh, on Netflix, and um, you know, have yourself an enjoyable little time. I hope you watched it before you, you know, watched us or listened to us, because otherwise, we just, you know, spoiled everything. What we Um, tend to do. Yeah, still
0: worth watching, I think.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'd say so. There's there's some uh, there's some pretty compelling stuff in here. (laughs) Maybe try to
0: find your own message that you yeah exactly
1: and when you do send us an email at shiverpod at gmail.com yeah. and let us know what your message that you listen here you was. dumb fucks you totally <laughs> missed this thing yeah. yeah, we'll love it we'll talk about it on air yeah
2: um so if you enjoyed this show uh you can tune in to any one of the other uh, geek bro network shows because i'm sure you're bound to like those uh shows like uh what's up bro shows like better let me tell you shows like uh mount geek more comedy fitness a dose of ellie kick flicks crimocopia i think that's
1: did you say seasons seasons a tv podcast i go. just i watched a, i watched a couple episodes of superstore the other day because i knew they did it on there shows mm-hmm. pretty good so far it comes out of the box swinging i'll give superstar credit yeah, nice.
2: Didn't watch it. Yeah,
1: I, I, it was. Just, it's like I, I'm constantly like I'm constantly in certain like what I'm actually like full time watching right now is I'm doing a re- i I'm watching Justify, but I can't watch that while my kids are around uh, So I was trying yeah. to find something I could watch when the kids are awake because it's summer and they're always here. Yeah. yeah, I can't get rid of them.
2: Yeah, I, I I reached that point. Um, was it last summer or the summer before? Um, maybe it was the summer before. Um, yeah, it was in the middle of quarantine doom eternal came out and, <laughs> and i was like i really want to play this and my kid is just sitting next to me and i'm like fuck it man you're gonna learn today <laughs> he's like what's that thing I'm like you know that you find out here fucking kill it with a chainsaw and i just yes. handed him the controller now he's a doom nice. Slayer.
1: <laughs> and of course if you did like this and you're not following us on all social media you can find us everywhere at shiver pod we're on facebook we're on instagram we're on twitter our twitter our Twitter following is not big, but our Instagram one continues to grow every day. That's where we're doing a, most of our fan interaction. And speaking of fan interaction, this wraps up our month of movies that are new to both of us. And what we are going to be starting next week is Fan Fest Summer. If you enjoy the show and you've always wanted to be on an episode, or there's a movie that you think we should do that we haven't yet, We're going to give you an opportunity to do both of those things. We're going to give you a chance to pick the movie that we watch and to be on the episode and discuss it with us. We've got a couple that are planned out already. Nick, Mm -hmm. you did an awesome job here on this one today. Nick's going to be back to do one with us at some point this summer. Next week, I believe we're going to be doing Jeepers Creepers. Yep. With Ish, friend, long, longtime friend of the show, which I mm-hmm. believe he maybe he's been on twice, which I think may be tied with Andy. I think Ish and Andy yeah. we've had on twice. So um, Ish is going to claim the crown um, of, of most frequent guests next week when we do Jeepers Creepers. Um, we've got it in the works to do Evil Dead 2, not exactly sure on the date. So if you are interested in being on the show and suggesting a movie that we do and doing it with us, you can email us at shiverpod, uh, shiverpod at gmail.com or you can just DM us on Instagram. I check those every day. Let us know what movie that you want us to watch. Let us know when you want to be on it. You know what time to record because you're watching and listening. But if you're listening mm-hmm. and don't know when we're actually recording, it is Wednesdays at 9, 8 central. We'll have you on. All you need is a webcam, a microphone, and a hard on for whatever movie you've decided that we should watch, and we're gonna have some fun with Summer Fan Fest.
2: You could also really hate the movie. That there is, is, there is a that valid option point. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we've yet to have somebody suggest one and be like, "This movie is such garbage that yeah. we should absolutely talk about it," and that would be a fascinating take. I think well, the one
0: would. the one I suggested almost scarred me for life. So
1: yes. <laughs> Love it. I can't, I cannot wait. I actually just I've rewatched that movie within the past year because I rewatched it to get ready for to before I watch the remake. So I'm excited to do it again. I have oh, not shit, seen that. it since. Oh shit, are you serious? You haven't seen it today? Yes. that is gonna be such a good one. <laughs> so, anyway, so we've got some ideas in the pike already, but if you've got one, find a way to contact us. I check our check all our social media every day. You'll have to excuse me if the Instagram posts are getting weird about the times right now um school's out and so my schedule's off i have to re i have to reestablish what my summer schedule is i promise the multi-day postings will be back by the end of the week um dude you don't have to promise anything yeah you're right fuck you you guys. don't you, don't, you um, don't know the people anything we're, we're, we're of course you they're, know they're what? on I'm, platform I'm 30
2: 333 man and i can see that yeah. nobody's
1: actually watching right now it's just the three of us yeah yeah <laughs>
2: I, I, I think Kowalski was the only guy uh, watching at the end here. And yeah. um, and, he, and he was like, ah, yeah, these guys are done at the end. <laughs> yeah, they're just vamping. So.
1: Um, but before we go, Nick, <laughs> do you have anything going on that you want to tell people about? I
0: actually started learning how to do game dev. And I'm thinking about starting a YouTube channel to show my GD journey into nice. uh, the world of game dev. Yeah, I've been doing... Uh, 3D models in Blender, learning how to code in C Sharp, using the Unity engine, stuff like that. So hopefully and, that works
2: out. And do you, for do, you first, have a, do you have a channel name already that people can... I, uh, I do
0: have a channel name already. It is Ultra Art. It is U-H-L-T-R-A-A-R-T. There you go.
1: Okay. That and is... for, for anybody who may be listening that doesn't know Nick personally, this is a dude that lives and breathes all forms of gaming. (laughs) This is a guy who owns game boards. This is a guy who's been to conventions specifically for tabletop gaming and not just like tabletop RPG gaming. He plays it all tabletop card game, tabletop board games, RPGs. I have personally played some games that he's created before. Um, There was that space RPG that we played with Mikey and Lindley. There was the, what was it? Fire strike was the other one. Yeah,
0: Fire teams, Yeah, fire
1: team. I mean, this is a guy who has created games just for his friends before. So he is excellent at what he does. And that would definitely be worth checking. (laughs) Nice. Nice definitely will be checking that out hopefully
0: i get something uh, for you soon
1: yeah
2: nice uh so on behalf of all of us here on shiver fright you very much